I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Pav. And I'm Neil. And welcome to the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's start the countdown! 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Well, we've done it for the 80s and 90s, so it's time to tackle the groovy 70s number ones. We're going from 1970 to 1979 and choosing our favourite number one from each year. Now, here's me with 10 70s number one facts. And I'll explain why not very long, in, in a short, short while. So what I've got here, which was compiled by Neil, is actually the highest selling number ones in the uk and the us for each year so in 1970 in the uk the wonder of you by elvis presley was the highest selling number one in the us bridge over troubled water by simon and garfunkel in 71 in the uk my sweet lord by george harrison and in 71 in the us it was joy to the world by three dog night in 72 in the uk amazing grace the pipes and drums of the military band of the royal scots dragoon guards in 72 in the US it was the first time I saw your face Roberta Flack in 73 in the UK tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree Tony Orlando and Dawn and in 73 in the US it was it was the same Tony Orlando and Dawn in 74 in the UK it was tiger feet by mud in 74 in the US the way we were Barbara Streisand in 75 in the UK, Bye Bye Baby, the Bay City Rollers. And in the US, it was Love Will Keep Us Together, Captain and Tennille. In 76 in the UK, Save Your Kisses For Me, Brotherhood of Man. And in 76 in the US, it was Silly Love Songs by Wings. In 1977 in the UK, it was Mull of Kintyre by Wings. And in 77 in the US, Tonight's the Night by Rod Stewart. In 78 in the UK, Rivers of Babylon, Brown Girl in the Ring, Boney M. And in 78 in the US, Shadow Dancing by Andy Gibb. And in the 79, in the UK, it was Bright Eyes by Art Garfunkel. And in the US, it was My Sharona by The Knack. So that's your wonderful facts. Now, before we explain this whole shit show that's going on, uh, we are welcomed once again by our 70s expert. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the wonderful and lovely Lisa. Hello, Lisa. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Thank you. Merry Christmas. And I think uh, experts overstated. So <laughs> we'll go from there. <laughs> well, to us, you're our 70s 
expert without a shadow of a doubt. So, um, right. Let's first, before we do do anything else, before we go into our, num- our 70s of the... See, I'm all over the place. And the reason is, now, last week was a normal week as we're as we are releasing the episodes, as we're recording them, a little bit of how the sausage is made. I should ding that really, shouldn't I? Um, So last week recording, we recorded episode 71, uh, trying to be clever. And that was wonderful. Neil was on that episode um, uh, along with Helen O'Hara from Empire Magazine. And we were talking about the greatest movies ever. And it was fantastic. Apart from the internet clicking off with five minutes to go, which was Typical of the way things go. Anyway, as you will notice, now that's next week's episode. As we're rec- as we're recording, it was last week's. As we're releasing, it'll be episode seventy-one. This is episode seventy with the lovely Lisa, and obviously Neil isn't here now. The real reason that Neil isn't here is uh, a few days after recording last week's episode, which is next week's episode. Uh, he broke his knee in two places. Now I thought talking to Neil when he told me about it, that he just like a silly sausage slipped over and uh, broke his knee, but he didn't. He actually got caught in the wheel arch of a four by fours trailer and was dragged along. So in the end, I think he's quite lucky that all he did was break his knee. Um, He is waiting to get surgery uh, as we're, as we're talking right now. um, And he's got a long road to recovery afterwards so neil if you're listening i don't know if you listen to our episodes i don't know whether you just you know just let it go out into the ether and let everyone else uh suffer with listening to what we put out but um i love you mate and i hope you get better and you know that we're all here if you need us and um and and yeah so that is why it is just me and lisa i have neil's um choices so i will go through them as well so anyway, Lisa, it's lovely to have you here. It's lovely to have somebody talk to you. You are a lot nicer to look at than Neil. I will say that. <laughs> well, I'm going to say this. I'm glad. I'm not glad. But the way you described that knee may, uh, injured his knee or broke his knee, I guess, in two places, I can't even imagine. Much sexier than him slipping on a sausage casing or whatever you <laughs> said in the beginning. So... <laughs> uh, <laughs> <for> him. <laughs> I know. I know. It just... I don't know. Well, so much has happened since like the last episode that we recorded because I went to Disneyland Paris last week, sort of had a good time. That is a whole story in itself because like all of our family have had this flu cold bug that's gone round. My wife had it really bad on Wednesday on the last day at Disneyland Paris. We had to, uh, it was just, I'm sure some of the time we'll, we'll go through it, but it was just a real nightmare getting home we had a three-hour delay on the Eurostar and all of that kind of stuff and then Neil messages me and tells me that he's broke his knee and I thought this is like what an end to the year so we are like clawing our way to the end of the year on the podcast this is our last recording of the year so we really are just we can see the like the finishing line in front of us and literally our, our nails are like pinging off as we're clawing our way through the mud to get to that finish line but we wouldn't want to finish it with anyone better than you lisa okay thank you i you know i've been to disney paris before um and uh i'm going to say the queuing was interesting because any line that we got into 
everybody just walked right past us. And yeah. I, I was stunned. I'm like, how do you progress if you're just hearing people? And finally, I got to the point where I just put my leg up, mm. you know, and made them pile up behind me. I, I, otherwise, we would still be in the same spot at the speedway or whatever that was. So that's, but, that's Europeans for you, Lisa. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry if we got Europeans listening, but I, we had the same. It, it gets to the point where you think I'm just going to be like them now. And I'm just going to, I'm not going to care about the fact that I've been waiting here half an hour. I'm going to walk around the same as everybody else and just walk past because it, yeah, we had the same problem with, with a few different things, but it's, um, it's a lovely place and it's a lovely place to go at Christmas because it just feels very Christmassy. But, but when you've got people that aren't feeling very well, yeah. it really ruins it. And we've been waiting so long for this trip. It was, it was a real shame because again, like I say, my wife on the last day, I think she camped out um, in Starbucks for like five hours. Cause she just felt oh. so bad. She couldn't go and do anything. She was just like shivering. She was, it was, and, and yeah, it was, it was a whole thing. So for that to happen and then for what happened to Neil, it really has felt like a real shit show of a week. So um, like I say, with every cloud comes a silver lining. And Lisa, you're our silver lining, you're our silver lining for this week. Let's go out with a bang. Absolutely. Oh, I might even ding that one as well. <laughs> but we're both festive as well. We both got our festive hats on. I've got my ball. Indeed. Oh, God, I'm going to be dinging all bloody night. Okay, so again, it's a bit not, bit different to what we do. We're going to pick each year and then pick our favourite number one single from that year, Again, it's going to be different because, Lisa, you'll be going, obviously, from the US charts. I'm going to be going from the UK charts, the same as Neil. So the one thing I wanted to say, in the 70s, there were two or three bands that were UK bands that I don't even think whether they, like, transferred over to the US, like Slade and Mud. Do you, have you got any concept of these bands? No, none, zero, zip. But, um, you know, I was kind of looking at some of the BBC charts, you know, just to get a, uh, you know, just kind of get a feel of what was going on. And I saw Mud quite a bit. And I intended to click on it, figure out what Mud was all about. And I heard you mention it the other day, but no, I have no idea what Mud is or Slate is. I mean, do you think it's a song that I'd recognize? Um, well, th the other thing, I, I spoke to to being about this actually when it came to because obviously he's a massive fan of christmas music and slade and mud and there's another band called wizard that have got absolute classic christmas songs that are played every single they make hundreds of thousands of pounds a year because every department store every tv station is playing these songs and slade has one called uh, merry christmas everybody and it is it is like one of the Christmas songs but again it's not something that I think that transferred over to America it's it's really good glam rock um okay. which from from the 70s and, and Slade just just do really really good songs Mud are a little bit more of a part they feel like a party band they're all dressed in their teddy boy suits and it's a very it seems a very English thing but Slade are a real good like a, a real good glam but rock band they just have some great great songs um one of them is on my thing but go on the, the video playlist i will put some of their stuff on there it's it's well worth having a listen but i'm going to be interested in what you've got in yours that obviously will add to our ever-growing list of stuff that we need well, to I'm gonna, 
I'm going to tell you, this one was difficult for me. Um, and I'll tell you why. I first made a list of, you know, in every, every year, a list of my favorite songs from that year. Then I went back just certain that it was on the singles list charted on billboard or whatever. Uh, and it wasn't like of the 10 songs I picked, I think only one was right. So that made it difficult too, because as I was going through, I'm like, well, I like this song, but I don't love it. And I like this song, but I don't love it, you know? And, um, so it was a little bit hard for me to mm. come up with, um, my choices. It was challenging too, because in some cases, you know, I want to try to put together just a little bit of a trivia or something that would be interesting for you to know about the band. And in some cases, like their Wikipedia page was like one paragraph. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> so um, I had to dig a little deeper. I think up until this morning um, on one of my choices, I only had one sentence and it's where they ranked in the billboard 100 and um, or whatever it was. And um, yeah, so I had to go back today and dig deep to try and get some trivia for it. So <laughs> mm-hmm. that's the only thing we find. We've done the 80s and the 90s so far with this format. And it is weird when you find a year that there's no songs there that you actually like. What? So you have to pick the best out of a bad bunch. Yeah. And the, the amount of songs, exactly like you said, that I thought I was adamant that a certain song was, that got to number one. Of course I got to number one. And you look and it's nowhere on the list and you find out <laughs> it was two, three, four. I think, well, that's weird because I was, I was, I'm sure I bought that when it was number one. Anyway, um, right. Kick us off, Lisa, with your favourite number one from 1970. Okay, so this one, 1970, spent two weeks on the uh, charts here in the United States. It was written by Randy Newman for another band called The Animals. And it was written by Randy Newman in 1966. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he wrote Short People. And yeah. Very, yeah, very, I yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, that one too. So the, the song is Mama Told Me Not to Come by Three Dog Night. Okay. Um, so it charted internationally, but never charted number one. But one of the most interesting things about it was that Donna Summer sang the backup vocals. Really? Yeah. So that was kind of cool. I thought that was kind of fun. Are you familiar with that song? Yeah, I think um, Tom Jones did a cover version with the Stereophonics, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Not to yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, I didn't realize. Well, and Three Dog Night weren't they the same ones? Didn't I mention them in the? Uh, they did Joy to the World, which was the highest selling number one in seventy one. That's right, you did mention them. Yes. There you go. So what what were they? Just a just like, like a rock rock band or? Yeah, I think they I think they identified themselves as bluesy rock. Interestingly, but oh, um, right. you know when you go in and look at some of their songs, there aren't a lot that I looked on there and thought, well, they. You know, they didn't have a huge catalog that I recognized entirely. But, you know, their they're two big hits, I think, were this one, obviously, and Joy to the World. Um, those are all sing-along songs, too. I think that if you play those in any room, everybody sings along, especially Joy to the World. Uh, so is Joy to the World like the Christmas Carol? No. Uh, no. Or is it a completely different song? Joy to the World. All the boys and girls now. Joy oh, right. To- that's not that one at all is it (laughs) (laughs) i really yeah so that was yeah okay there you go then so i uh, right i didn't realize that that's who did that original song so there you go (laughs) that could have been part of our covers um episode okay so neil's 
let me I gotta make sure I'm reading from the right one. So Neil's 1970 was actually the same as mine. It was Tears of a Clown by Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. Uh, I didn't realise this was a 70s song. I thought this was like a early early 60s song. I, I would have said the same thing. Yeah. But it's I mean, you can't you can't be I'm trying to find what the other um songs that were number ones in the 70s but uh but you can't go wrong with Smokey Robinson you can't go wrong with with those kind of songs they really are just indestructible songs and um they still I mean even that was what's that 1970s that's 52 years ago that's what? crazy yeah it still sounds as fresh I know <laughs> I know I know it's crazy it's absolutely crazy but you know, what can you do? Apart from getting a time machine and going back, maybe. That would be nice. I don't know. No, um, I don't. Yeah. You find a lot of the songs, I mean, in my opinion, some of the songs are really kind of, I don't know if this is a good word, schmaltzy or kind of, um, I don't know. Uh-oh. <laughs> Say hi. Hi. <laughs> Yeah. Right, we're doing a podcast. There's Doyle and there's Spencer. <laughs> hey guys, that's two of them this time. And I think it was only Spencer that that poked his head in last time, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah, yeah that was Spencer and Doyle. They they were uh, planning to go surfing this morning. Just so you know, it's about 52 degrees here. Oh, is it? Oh, that's that sounds really really cold. That sounds really really cold. That's ridiculous. I've got the heater on and I've got my sweatshirt on and yeah. Have you? Oh dear. It's, I think it's minus four here at the moment. I think with snow oh. everywhere. So it's. Uh, yeah. but Is that from, sorry. Celsius though, right? Um. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Because that would be like minus eighty, wouldn't it? Or something. I don't know how to work it out. I got no idea. <laughs> Isn't it 30 times six? Oh, I don't know. Let's not go down that rabbit hole, Lisa. I, for good. Do, I don't do maths. No. So. <laughs> Although you said maths, that is very impressive. <laughs> well done. Um, okay, then, Lisa, give us your 1971 number one, please. Okay, so our night, my favorite song from 1971, it spent four weeks at number one on the U.S. charts. Um, it was the first single from their album, Trafalgar if that sounds familiar to you. And it was How Can I Mend a Broken Heart by the Bee Gees. Right. Interestingly, this was a time when uh, the brothers weren't getting along. I don't know if you saw the documentary. I did, yeah. Yeah, there was a point in time where they weren't getting along. And uh, they had gathered together for whatever purpose and came up with this song. Uh, which seems kind of, um, you know, if you sit there and think about how can I mend a broken heart, maybe it's kind of a story of how the four of them reunited again. Mm. So um, they originally wrote the song and offered it to Andy Williams. Oh, right. um, But then they decided to record it themselves. Uh, In 2020, um, Barry Gibb, I think he's the only remaining. He is, yeah. uh, Re-recorded it as a duet with Cheryl Crow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't know that. Yep. So, um, and last but not least, um, they had over 20 songs that charted as number one. I I was saying a couple of weeks ago, I can't remember which episode it was. I I, I was watching a, there was a a tribute band that their, their advert came up on, on the face on Facebook and they were really good. They sounded amazing as a tribute band for the Bee Gees because they, I mean, they, they just, 
especially Barry Gibbs, got one of those voices that are very hard to imitate. And the advert was like banger after banger after banger after. It's like the amount of amazing songs that the Bee Gees have done. Yes. I don't think people, I think they're one of those ones that just, they, they're they not as lauded as like, say, the Beatles or the Stones or, but, and, and writing for other people as well. Yes, it's yeah. Crazy, the, the sort of, the hit rate that they've, especially, well, especially Barry Gibb, the hit rate that he had is sort of unfathomable. You can't really think about it, just how many great, great tunes that that guy has written. It's, it's fantastic. That's a great one. It's almost heartbreaking what they went through during the disco era here, you know, um, with the disco sucks movement. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, it's, I mean, it's kind of sad when you watch that documentary and look at their great talent and they were the target of, you know, this unnecessary movement. And um, so, but yeah, and then tragic, right? And the Barry Gibbs, the only one left of all of them. And, you know, that's kind of sad too, but I, I agree with you. Very prolific, wonderful mm. writer. And I think it'd be one of those, when when he goes, I think that's when people will sit back and go, oh, God, they were really good. Yeah. You know, when they've all all disappeared and all, all sort of passed away, I think that's when people will really sort of accept that they were different class. They really yeah. were. Exactly. Um, okay, Neil's for 1971 was T-Rex and Get It On. So did T-Rex ever be were they big in america let's get it on yeah <laughs> yes. i'll ding that <laughs> sorry uh, i <laughs> yes <laughs> um so that was neil's unfortunately obviously, i'm just going to list his i'm not going to go through because i don't know his reasons for them but i'm sure you can through. um my no- 1971 was maggie may by rod stewart oh, of course you know I, I love a story song I really do. And that's got a good story to it. I mean, who this Maggie May was. I mean, I'm sure there are there are um, stories of who she was and that. But um, Rod Stewart, another one. He's been going for like since the 60s. And uh, yeah, I think I think he's sort of looked at as a little bit, not, not, not a joke, but he's not looked at seriously now. You know, he's sort of wheeled out and does occasional gigs and stuff but i don't i mean obviously there's always going to be fans for somebody who's been around for that long um i don't know how serious he's sort of taken these days i really don't i've never really followed him and his career but i do like a lot of his stuff especially the 70s stuff is a lot do you think i'm sexy and sailing and stuff like that um okay then lisa your 1972 please okay 1972 uh, it's spent four weeks as number one in the United States and five weeks as number one in BBC's charts. Ooh. We're doing a little crossover here. Um, the It was uh, written by Peter Hamm in 1970 while he was with Apple Records. Unfortunately, Apple Records closed uh, in 1973, and so he never received the due for the song. The song is Without You by Harry Nilsson. Indeed. Yeah, so you know that song? Uh, yes, absolutely. Didn't Mariah Carey do a cover version of that? It, I think I'm not going to say no. I think you're right. I think if I'm listening to it now in my head, uh, no, I can't. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh. One of the classic love songs, one of the absolute classic love songs. Yes. Oh, 
And you know, it, it gets you when you hit that, that high note. Yes, it shows. Yeah. Uh, um, the tragic story behind them is that um, I think all of the people involved with that passed away early. Uh, yeah. Um, um, at their own hands and another one uh, uh, Harry Nelson died I think he was an alcoholic at the time he died so they didn't have a storied life after their success but um, yeah and Paul McCartney and John Lennon said it was one of their all-time favorite songs ever wow and I think if I'm right Jimi Hendrix died in Harry Nielsen's apartment in London Really? I think so. <laughs> there was something about Harry Nielsen, wasn't there? I mean, there really yeah. was. <laughs> this is Death Corner with Bob. <laughs> We're nicking all their best bits. <laughs> um, I was looking on the little bit that I've got information. It said it's a suicide song written by two members of Badfinger who both later committed suicide. So there's just death all around this song. Yes. No wonder it's such a sad song. Goodness me. <laughs> Geez, I might have to rethink that uh, year. Wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, to be fair, with the way that everything's gone, I mean, it's quite an apt <laughs> song to choose, I think. Um, okay, so let's let's swiftly move on to the next one. Uh, Neil's uh, 1972 was Alice Cooper and School's Out. School, uh, yeah, okay, in Neil's, uh, not de- Neil's defense, but I did have that on there. I went back and forth between the two because... Boy, the minute you start singing schools out, you know, you just can't. You got to. Uh, so I, I'm uh, with Neil on that one. Indeed. I Neil's choice. Yeah. <laughs> and it was number one for three weeks uh, in the summer of 1972. Perfect. When school finished. Look, perfect. Um, so my 1972. Um, and I will. Uh, I will sort of stress to you to go and go and sort of find it out. Is Mama, we're all crazy now by Slade. So this was number one for three weeks as well. And I think they ended up... Sorry? Can you sing a little so I can sing? Uh, I can, uh, not with my throat, no. I can play a little bit. Shall I play a little bit for you? No, I wanted... Probably even even if I could, I didn't have a bad throat. Um, the one thing about Slade is their lead singer, a guy called um, Noddy Holder, has got a very... Um, original voice i suppose you could call it but he's definitely got one of those voices that is very i don't know how to explain it i honestly don't know how to explain it because his voice is um trying to think if there's anybody i can think of no there isn't anybody he's got a very unique voice i'm trying to find it i don't know uh here we go here we go (laughs) i know not i feel like I'm sort of I'm one of the, I'm one of these ones where I'm building it up into something, and you're going to listen to it and go, "What the hell is that?" I'm listening. There you go, a bit of Slade. So yes, this was number one. Oh, yeah, it's great stuff. Um, they got well, like, well, big hair band kind of sound. Yeah, and what they also used to do is nearly all of their songs used to have spelling mistakes in. <laughs> so it's Mama, We're All Crazy Now, but the we're is spelt W-E-E-R, and crazy is spelt C-R-A-Z or Z-E-E. So there's always Squeeze Me, Please Me is another song. Wow. Okay, well, 
yeah, I would have a little listen because because there's some really really good stuff. I must admit. I mean, I've always I've always liked Slade, but then it's sort of like in my wheelhouse and age and um. Down and I'll delve into it. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, your 1973, please, then, Lisa. Um, first of all, who's Gary Glitter or Guy Glitter? Yeah, Gary Glitter is somebody that that people don't tend to like to talk about anymore. He was massive in the 70s, absolutely huge as a singing star. Um, and then in the sort of then it was found out with do you know who Jimmy Savile is? No, but I, mm. I no. Yeah, well, Jimmy Savile was a a massive DJ in the seventies and then was found that he, that he had been uh, sexually abusing people for years. And then it was found that Gary Glitter had been doing the same kind of thing as well. So he's kind of been rubbed out of music history now, but he was one of the, like, especially in sort of mid seventies with the glam rock was one of the biggest selling stars in, in the UK. Definitely. I don't know what he was like, whether he came over to America, but no, but I saw him all over the charts on uh, for BBC, and I kind of thought there was some controversy behind him, but yeah. I wasn't 100% positive, so that I, it sounds familiar now. I think yeah. there's a documentary on it. There's Yeah, there's quite a bit. I mean, to be fair, look, I mean, we've had death, we've had broken bones, we've had... Um, plagues going through families we might as well have like some gary glitter and, and jimmy savile joining in as well i know i shouldn't laugh about it but it just about sums up the last episode that we're going to record for 2022 this is definitely not going to be one of those cheerful happy ones this is all about doom and death and plague. oh my lord it's, i mean happy holidays know, it's nice I, I really don't know. I mean, let's just let's just carry on. We'll just carry okay. on. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, anyway, 1973, Lisa. 73. So this one spent two weeks on the Billboard uh, 100 here. Um, also on the Billboard Hot Country Singles. Also on the Billboard Easy Listening. Um, it topped number one in Belgium, Canada. And in UK, it only charter, char- charted... Went to two. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. And it's Charlie Rich's The Most Beautiful Girl. Oh. Hey. Lovely song. Yeah, that's a great song. Love that song. Um, only little trivia I, I found out about it. It was covered by Slim Whitman. Oh, right. And also by Andy Williams. Right. Yeah, I could imagine that. Yeah. That's yeah. that kind of, yeah, great song. Beautiful song. Yeah, but I don't um, think. I- can do it justice like charlie rich with that deep voice i just i think it's just beautiful so yeah and i was i, I always thought that was a number one in america in, in the uk but obviously obviously yeah. not wow okay number two, number two. And that was interesting too for me is the songs that uh were on your list you know uh versus where they were on everybody else's list like a I have an example somewhere in here. I'm sure we'll get to it, but there was a song that charted only charted to 42 in the UK. Right. Where everywhere else it was number one. And I was like, so intrigued by that. I mean, how did that not cross over when it did in Malaysia? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, it is very, very strong. I don't think it matters so much these days, does it? Cause everything is just on the internet now. So people can listen and watch to what they can, but I I don't know. You would think that the first thing that, well, it'd be vice versa either way, but if something was a hit in the UK, you'd think, right, we want to go and see if it'll be a hit in the US and the other way around. 
So the fact that it wouldn't catch fire over here would be really, really strange. Yeah, yeah, very strange. Know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, okay, so Neil's, Neil's 1973. Um, another name that I wonder whether you would recognise is Susie Quattro. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah, so yeah. it was Can the Can was the... Uh, and I always thought back when I was... So 1973, I would have been four. Um, and Susie Quattro looked like my auntie. She just oh. looked like my auntie. Yeah, she had the same kind of hair. I always thought whenever I saw Susie Quattro on Top of the Pops, which was the big TV show over here, that I thought that was my auntie up there playing a bass and singing with a like a full like a leather suit on. <laughs> and I'd look at her, look at her when I saw her next, and thought, well, "What are you doing here? You should be doing rock and roll and stuff." So that was uh, that was Neil's for nineteen seventy three. Mine for nineteen seventy three was Rubber Bullets by Ten CC. Now, I don't know, again, I don't know whether you would know who 10CC are. This was number one just for one week. Um, okay. And it's, um, so Godly and Cream. Have you heard of Godly and Cream? No. No? Oh, you nodded. <laughs> <laughs> so 10CC were, were a big, big band in the set, well, mainly in the 70s. They did uh, I'm Not In Love, which I don't know if you remember that one. Um, Dreadlock uh- Holiday was another big one. Of theirs. Do you want me to play a little bit of Rubber Bullets? Yeah, please. <laughs> let me see. Let me see if I can find it. Let me see if I can find it because they they were again. I think one of the guys ended up playing or doing a lot of stuff for, with Paul McCartney. Okay. And they were very like just great melodies. And um, Godly and Cream, who were part of the band as well, also went on and. and directed a lot of really good videos as well they became video directors um i can't remember the names of the other guys eric stewart i think oh and graham goldman i think it's graham goldman that carries on 10cc now doing it live but uh yeah rubber bullets things we do for love is a great the wall street shuffles another great song i think i know things we do for love the things we do for love that's it Love. That's like it, and I'm, sh- I'm sure you'd know I'm not in love. That's the slow, that's the slow. Again, I would try and sing it, but I don't think I don't think the <laughs> voice is going to. Um, but yeah, so that'll be in the video playlist. You can have a little listen to that and a little play to that. Um, okay, that's my 1973. Was that what we've done there? Yeah, 73. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, so you're 74 then, please, Lisa. Okay, two weeks on the U.S. charts. Uh, one week on the BBC chart. And also number one in Canada and Ireland. Wow. Uh, it is John Denver's Annie song. That's my 1974. Had uh, to be. Had to well, be. I, I don't know about you, but when uh, my son was young, you know, and still wanted me to rock him to sleep, that's the song I used to sing to him. Really? Yeah. And it was uh, written, he wrote it, uh, well, he was skiing up in Aspen. And he and his wife, were Annie, were going through kind of an intense time in their relationship. And he said he was on this lift going up to ski down. And he said he was just overcome with the senses of how beautiful it was there with the trees. And it made him think of his wife. So he went home and wrote it right away. Um, his wife heard it first and said that it was familiar. It sounded like Tchaikovsky's fifth. Oh, really? Yes. So he went back and listened and agreed and rewrote it. And uh, the final version only had five notes from the original Tchaikovsky song. So, oh, right. Yeah. And he did that again, like in an hour, he rewrote the whole thing. So, but definitely um, a song to this day, I hear people singing. Now, I, I think last time we were together, we talked about John Denver a little bit. We did. Um, and I think he's getting, you know, some more recognition now. I mean, it's been kind of quiet. I'm not sure why, but we're starting to see more and more people mention John Denver. And yeah, this was this is one of my favorite songs that he did. Mm. You can imagine him playing the song for the first time to his wife, and she says, "Oh, well, that sounds just like whatever it was." And he goes, "Ah, oh, shit!" She she recognizes it. I'll I'll pick a really obscure bit of music that no one's ever heard before, and just lift everything off of it. But he's, she's heard it. Ah, oh, damn! I'm gonna have to go and write it again now. Typical wife, right? Typical, <laughs> typical, <laughs> typical wife. She's just got to piss all over it, isn't she? I'm just wrote you a beautiful love song, and the first thing you can't say to me is lovely. You say that seems just like such and such. Ah, oh, god damn it! But I, yeah, I absolutely love this song. It's um, I think it was in my in my top one of my top tens um, songs that make you cry. I just think it's a beautiful, beautiful song, and yeah. he's his voice as well. Again, another one like you say. I don't think he he gets the the kudos for like his his voice his voice is just one of those pure voices he never looks like it, it never feels or sounds or looks when you watch him sing like he's forcing singing right i know exactly what you mean you know and and i think last time i mentioned this too i saw him perform uh live one person just by himself with yeah. a bar stool and a bottle of water for hours 
And I was, it was absolutely mesmerizing. You know, sometimes you go to those things and you sit there and think, gosh, when's this going to be over? Mm. I could have sat there for more hours if he, if he had it in him, you know, to continue to perform. Uh, he was magnificent. So, um, yeah. yeah. Fair play. That's good. Yeah. We both got that one. Uh, Neil has chosen Waterloo by ABBA. I mean, it's the seventies. You've got to have ABBA in the seventies. Yeah. You just have to, um, and this was a song that they won the Eurovision Song Contest with. This, uh, this was the first song that people heard of ABBA. Oh, wow. Which, and I'm not sure how many... Let's have a look and see if we can find out how many weeks. So John Denver was, yeah, number one for one week. Yeah, one week there. In 74. Wow. And uh, ABBA was for two weeks. And their first number one of nine. Nine number ones. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. Anyway... Let's go on to 1975. What's your 1975 then, Lisa? So back really quick to ABBA. If you don't follow them on TikTok, follow them on TikTok. The ABBA, um, uh, official ABBA. Oh, it's right. Okay. Kind of fun. It's, yeah. they, they, they're doing a good job of it. So, okay. um, so 1975, um, <laughs> this one was hard for me because um, I love this band. Um, and I could find, couldn't find much as far as trivia or any information, but they've been around for a really long time. They've sold more than 40 million albums worldwide. Okay. Um, so definitely have, um, some stay there and it is Blackwater by the Doobie Brothers. All right. Okay. So are you familiar with them? So now the Doobie Brothers, isn't that like Michael McDonald? Wasn't he part of the Doobie Brothers? Yes. Yeah, um, taking it to the streets. What a fool believes. What a fool believes. That's the one I think. I, China yeah. Grove. So, uh, and they got their name Doobie Brothers. They were looking for a name. They started in San Jose, and they were looking for a name for their band. And somebody said, "Why don't you just call yourself the Doobie Brothers because you smoke so much pot?" <laughs> well, they thought, "All right, well, we'll try that for a little while until we come up with something else." And they never did. And they so, just stuck with that. Yeah. So was was Michael McDonald part of the band like all the time, or was when did he when he went solo? Did they just carry on, or you know, um, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I caught you out on the facts. That, okay, yeah. uh, because I did do a little research on it, and of course, I've got Michael McDonald um, mentioned here because he also uh, was prior to that with Steely Dan, which is another favorite band of mine. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, you know, I don't know, but I, you know, you certainly don't see the Doobie Brothers anymore. <laughs> no, so, no, that's true. Yeah. So that's, that we'll research that. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Neil's nineteen seventy five was "Space Oddity" by David Bowie, um, a class song by a class act. Uh, my seventy five is a song called "January" by Pilot. Have you ever heard of that one? No, what the no. hell is going on over there? <laughs> <laughs> now I can remember. I mean, again, what would I have been? I would have been six when this came out, but I don't think it was when I came. I can. One of my earliest memories is when my my dad had a um, fabricating business, and I was sat in his office listening to a tape, a tape recorder that had this song on it. I think it had uh, the Barry White version of "Just the Way You Are." Uh, it had a couple of songs which, for some reason, sort of like ingrained into my mind. And this was one of the songs. I'll, I will play it. I've got it here. Um, it's a great tune. 
and it, this this is one of those songs that as soon as I especially when the the verse hits it just takes me back to that sitting in that horrible dingy little office with oil everywhere oh god what a tune <laughs> little David Cassidy Bobby Sherman kind of yeah feel. I would give you that yeah it's a little bit because it's almost like the, the the intro to it doesn't seem to go with the song when you listen to the intro, it sounds like it's going to be quite a heavy sort of rock kind of song. And then it bops along like a nice little sort of sugary pop song, you know. Yeah. But I think I think that was their only, I think that was their only number one. I can double, I can double check that, but I'm pretty sure that they might, that might have been like a, yeah, it was number one for three weeks. And their two follow-ups failed to even make the top 30. So they're sort of like a one-hit wonder. Oh, okay. Kind of thing. But yeah, February 1975, number one for three weeks. Goodness me. Um, okay, then, Lisa, you're 1976, please. I was a little nervous you were going to tell me that the lead singer reminded you of your uncle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, here we go again. Uh, no, no, that was Gary Glitter. No, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> no, I might have to cut that bit out for no, legal edit, reasons. We'll edit that out. Yeah, I might cut that out for legal reasons. <laughs> Anyway, 1976. Okay, 1976. Uh, this spent three weeks on the charts in the BBC. Oh, um, BBC. Just two weeks here in the United States. They had 20 top 10 singles on Billboard, um, which is pretty amazing. Uh, bass player and lead vocalist on this song was Peter Cetera, and oh. the band is Chicago. And the yeah. song is "You Leave Me Now." And that was Neil's 1976. Oh, oh Neil, it has my heart. Um, yeah, uh, won a Grammy Award for Best Arrangement, also a Grammy Award for Best Pop Vocals. And, um, yeah, that's a song. And they used to be called Chicago Transit Authority, was originally the name of the band until they shortened it. I don't know if I told you this. I had a friend once invite me to um, see Chicago, and I was excited, you know, because I had loved the the play. So I thought, what a great opportunity for me to go see the play Chicago and, you know, and got there and it was the band. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little bit, took a minute to regroup and say, okay, well, I can get into this. And, you know, obviously uh, a lot of the original members, just a few original members, a lot of really young people. But I was probably, I don't know, fourth fifth row back just a little bit off to the side and there was this really hot guitarist I mean he was just I, I couldn't take my eyes off of him all night so at the end of the night he took his pick you know how they throw it out and again I'm back kind of far and this was like one of those stuffy places this wasn't like a forum or an arena or anything this was like one of those places where you sit in your chair and you know uh, old and he went like that with his pick and it landed right on me. Really? Right on me. I still have it. And I was like, I thought, okay, so that was it. If his number was on the back, it would have been the perfect evening. But his number wasn't on it. So <laughs> <laughs> take it to bed and imagine he meant to send me his number. Wow. So they're I mean, great. Love them. That's that's um, that's an amazing aim. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously, he obviously noticed you and thought, I'm right. Like that. He just forgot to put... He, again, he got into the 
um, the dressing room and went, shit, I never put my phone number on the back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's had regrets for his whole life. You know, I um, one of the things that people tell me is they can see you from the audience. They can see specific people in the audience. So I had a chance to go see Dave Grohl uh, talk about his book, Storyteller. And I had paid a little extra money, not that much extra money, to sit at front row center. I was actually second row center. And um, he was talking. And there were two gentlemen sitting next to me in the middle of it. He stopped and he said, are you two twins? You know, and, and it was about these two guys who actually were partners. And I sat there and I was giggling. Everybody was laughing. They were shaking their head. And then all of a sudden I went, oh, shit, he can see us. Oh. <laughs> The rest of the time I was trying to look sexy and, you know, like this and really interested. And yeah, I don't, he didn't, didn't acknowledge that I was there, but I'm pretty sure he fell in love with me that night. But then he got his bookmark out of his book and he flew it at you and it caught him and landed in your lap. (laughs) And he didn't have his phone number on the back and he was backstage going, oh shit. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> oh dear, history repeating itself. Oh dear. Okay, yeah. So that was Neil's 1976 choice as well. Um, my 1976 choice was a song I didn't even realise was 70s. I thought it was the 60s because it's called December 63. Oh, what a night by the Four Seasons. Oh, what a night. Yeah, I always thought it was a 60s song because it was like about December 63. I didn't realise it was like a 70 or mid 70s song. Um, it does say it was number one for two weeks. A major 60s act with falsetto vocalist Frankie Valley, who made a strong return in the 70s with the band and solo. So, because I think, didn't he sing the theme to Greece? I think he did, didn't he? I think he did Greece is the Word. I think that was Frankie oh, yeah. Valley. Yes, absolutely. That sang that as well. But yeah, I, I love that song. It's a great song for a party. Um, oh, what a night. Everybody will try and sing that high bit that Frankie Valley sings, and nobody can. <laughs> He's like, again, another one of those ones where his vocal cords are like touched by the gods because there's no one else that can sing like him. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Okay, so that was 76. Right, 1977, then, please, Lisa. Okay, so my choice was the best selling single of 1977. Number one on the Billboard charts for eight weeks. Um, it was the longest number one hit for him ever. Uh, number one uh, in Canada for six weeks, um, and also uh, and number one on the year-end chart, also for uh, the Billboard. So it's Rod Stewart. Tonight's the night. Nice. Nice. Again, like I was saying earlier on, especially in the 70s, he did some amazing songs. It's, you know, it was like hit after hit. Yeah. And, and you know, I've seen some of his performances, um, not personally, but I've seen, you know, recorded performances uh, uh, recent. Yeah. And, um, you know, I kind of agree with you. It's, you know, it, it's not the sexy Rod Stewart back in the day. It's kind of the dad's dad Rod Stewart. Yeah. He's probably my age. I don't know how old he is, but, um, uh, but you know, it, you're, you're kind of right. It might be time just to retire. Mm. <laughs> Take kind kind of feel, yeah. I kind of feel with those kind of guys, you look at Keith Richards and Mick Jagger and all of those kind of guys, it's almost like if they stop, that's when they okay. pass away. Yeah. They just need to keep going and keep going until they just like 
they just drop on the stage. You know, we're talking about death again. They just drop <laughs> on the stage because it, it feels to me like people like that, like you said, I think he's got to be, he's got to be early to mid seventies. He's got to be. He has to be. You're the same as people like, like, I mean, well, I don't know. I mean, um, Paul McCartney's in early eighties now. It's just mad. You think of how old a lot of these people are and they're still going still- out there and doing it. I saw Rolling Stones, I think, in 2019, uh, after uh, Mick Jagger had had his heart surgery. Right. And I was absolutely astonished at how much energy they had and how, you know, how much it resembled what their performances were like back in the day. I mean, I was absolutely astonished. But at the same time, I'm astonished because they're like dinosaurs. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, they should have been retired twenty years ago. That's the thing, is that you know, yeah, yeah it's absolutely crazy. Um, uh, but yeah, so Neil's nineteen seventy seven um, was Donna Summer. I feel love, which I think. Let's have a look. Where? Oh. Let me have a look. Where was it? I feel love. I feel love. Ah, oh, hang on a minute, then Neil. I can't see it on my. Oh no, there it is. It was number one for four weeks. In the summer of 1977, um, and she had scored 40 hits by 1999. Really? Yeah, I didn't realise that she'd been that that prolific in the UK. But yeah, 40 hits by 1999. I, I'm trying to think of. I mean, I know a couple songs, but 40 of them, I don't think I know. No, I don't think I do. <laughs> I don't know where maybe it was maybe it was different versions of I Feel Love. Maybe 39 other versions and remixes of I Feel Love, maybe. I don't know. Um I'm trying to think of I think there's one called Unconditional Love. Anyway, yeah. But yeah, so Don I mean another classic tune, but uh, that was Neil's for 77. Now for me, 1977 is that year that I can transport myself back with so many different songs. Um, Lucille was a number one. Knowing Me, Knowing You by ABBA was another one. Um, what was it? Oh, there was some a couple of David Soul number ones in in 1977, which I could have easily had on my list. Uh, the Jacksons, Show You the Way to Go, Elvis Presley, Way Down After He Passed Away in uh, August of 77. But the one I chose was Name of the Game by ABBA. Okay. Um, just... It transports me. It literally transports me back, and I can smell smells from 1977 when I hear that song. It is crazy, and it doesn't make any sense. But 1977 seems to be that year for me that is the... It's like the 1953 of Back to the Future. Do you know what I mean? If I went back in time, 77 would be the year i go back to because Star Wars came out. Um, The music of that year, for some reason, just hits me more than anything else. So... So yeah, name of the game, Abba, for me. Um, I, Lee, I think you might have to elaborate on what you smelled. <laughs> um, well, I used to. I'll tell you what I can smell. It's a thing called boot dubbing, which <laughs> which is basically f- boot polish for my football boots. Okay, it was like this black tar like stuff that you would like rub into your football boots and then polish up. You'd get them all clean, and. That is what I can smell. It's so strange. It really is. I know it's a brain thing, but I can it smell it. It's in my nostrils. Whenever I, whenever the start of Name of the Game by ABBA, especially, I can smell it. I can just smell it, and it's weird. It just is really, really weird. 
And, and you now know that whenever I hear that song, I'm going to smell it too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> there's, a, there's a clip. There's a clip I can take out there. Um, go on then, Lisa, you're 1978 then, please. Okay, 1978, uh, seven weeks on the U.S. charts, um, was listed as the number one song of 1978, chartered number one in Brazil and in Canada, um, but it never made it past 42 in the U.K. How? <laughs> This is Andy Gibbs, Shadow Dancing. Right. I can't say I've ever heard this song, so let me see if I can find it. I mean, as it wasn't a big hit, I don't even know if it'll be in, um, it'll be on, like, Apple Music or anything. Oh, there it is. My heart is, like, breaking right now. You you don't know the song? And how? How? (laughs) I mean, it sounds very Bee Gees-ish, doesn't it? Yeah, so good. Oh, I'm getting chills. Let's do (laughs) this Yeah, I don't know whether Andy Gibb was really as... I don't think he was as big here as... Uh, yeah, it doesn't sound familiar. Although it sounds very... Yeah, it sounds very Bee Gees, doesn't it? I'm going to have to have a listen. Well, obviously, I'll put this on the on the video playlist for our Patreon pals. So I'm going to have to have a little listen to that. Maybe have a little bit of a deep dive into it. So what was other Andy Gibb's, like, big hits? Um... Well, it was all off of that same album here in the U.S. And you asked me that, and I knew every song on that album from beginning to end and can tell you one right now. Um, <laughs> but it was <laughs> it was written by um, his brothers and himself as well. So that's why you get a lot of that influence on there. And um, actually, it was written while they were working together on the film um, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. Right. So um, Andy Gibb was... Uh, instrumental in some of the songs and some of the the features that they had in that movie so while they were there that's when they came up with that song so um yeah but you know his career was (laughs) he died (laughs) of course he did of course he did john denver died (laughs) (laughs) somebody tell me who died (laughs) so his career was a little bit short but um, but I would tell you uh, here in the United States, he was on the cover of every teen magazine. Mm. I mean, you know, it, it was Andy Gibb and Leif Garrett at the time. That's going to make some people swoon, I'm sure. But um, yeah, the, I, from beginning to end, I know exactly where I was. I was in high school at an all girls private school. Here we go again yeah. <laughs> and, uh, in my uniform. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep dinging that bell for that, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, you know, it just was every girl loved Andy Gibb. Every poster, you know, on the wall and everything like that. But again, knew the album from beginning to end, but I can't remember any of the songs. That's fair (laughs) enough. That's fair enough. I will have a little, um, because again, like I said, I'm a big Bee Gees fan. So if it's that, it's all in that same wheelhouse, isn't it? So it's all going to be songs written by the guys or, or Barry and it's all sounds that same sign to it. So yeah, I'm gonna have to give that a bit of a, a bit a bit of a listen. Um okay, so Neil's seventy eight was ten CC again. It was Dreadlock Holiday. And my seventy eight was a song I think I've had in, in a couple of top tens over the past. It's Kate Bush and Wuthering Heights. Oh which I cannot believe I just had a look. That was her only number one. Ever? Um, 
Ever, yeah. I can't believe that. It was number one for four weeks, but it was her only number one, um, which which is amazing to me, I must admit. I thought she was more prolific as, uh, with number one songs than that, but but there you go. And I've said so much about this particular song. It's got one of the greatest bass lines in a song ever. I would I would be able to just sit and listen just to the bass line of this song. It's just beautiful. But there's something about Kate Bush. There is just something about... Kate Bush that I that is a little bit scary. Her eyes can be a little bit scary when she does that staring thing, um, but she's absolutely gorgeous and and uh, and can sing as well. I didn't realize. <laughs> Did she look like one of your aunts? No. Oh God! Don't. <laughs> I've already had a go. I've already had a go at my uncles, and I've been nice to one of my aunts. Let's not let's not go down that route. Otherwise, I'm gonna I'm not gonna have anything to publish. I'm gonna be editing it all. <laughs> Oh my lord! We'll, we'll edit that out. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I am actually very surprised that, especially with her career, that mm. she, you know, how discouraging would that be to be an artist like her? You know, who who's so well recognized and so you know, um, I would say loved. Right? I mean, people really love her, and to only have one number one in your whole career—that's mm. so surprising to me. I. I kind of feel sad for her. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know when it gets to a certain point when they, they've been commercially successful and they've made money. Sometimes bands and artists, then they go off and then they write and do music that they want to do rather than something that's going to sell. So I don't know whether they really worry about it or not. If they've made... I suppose if you're an up-and-coming and you're never going to get a number one or never get in the charts, I don't know. It's It's, it's different, isn't it? But... It's not done her any harm, has it? I mean, she's she's been a very, very successful um, artist for the last five decades now, if you say, or four, four and a half decades, which is crazy. Sure, yeah. Making us feel old again. I keep talking about how long ago the 70s were, but goodness me. Okay, the last year then, Lisa, 1979. Okay. First of all, this was their debut single. Ooh. Six weeks in the U.S., Never higher than sixth in the UK. <laughs> Don't say that like it's my fault. Why did you say that was such vitriol like it was my fault? I felt like it was. <laughs> oh, well, it probably was, yeah. I should have gone out and bought it 100,000 times and it would have been number one. Um, it was a Capitol Records' fastest gold status debut album since the Beatles. Wow. And it is My Sharona by The Knack. So. There you go. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of it before. Absolutely, yes. But you know, one of the interesting little trivia things that I uh, was reading is Quincy Jones was working on the album Thriller with Michael Jackson. And he said to Michael Jackson, we need a song like My Sharona. Oh, right. And so he wrote Beat It. No. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Beat it. Beat it. <laughs> Oh dear. I mean, I wouldn't have put those two songs in the same sort of breath, to be fair. No, no, but I mean, you could kind of see a little bit of that beat that he's got going. Yeah, in I suppose, song. yeah. I guess maybe it was that energy, but Quincy Jones liked the song so much. That's that's where the inspiration came for that. Um, and then the other thing, of course, uh, I would be um, uh, remiss if I didn't mention uh, Weird Al Yankovic's cover of My Bologna. <laughs> that's right. But then he also did uh, eat it as well. Did 
Eat it. He also did a cover, like his own version of the song that was like inspired by the song. Yeah. What, what a genius Weird Al is. Did you see the, the movie? That I haven't movie? seen it yet. No, no, I haven't. I've heard it's very, very good. I'm going to reserve opinion until you see it and then we'll talk. Okay, uh, fair enough. I, I feel like maybe I should go back and watch it again because, you know, of everyone's comments. I feel like I might have missed something. So, um, but yeah, I, I'll wait until you've seen it and then okay. we'll talk. That's fair <laughs> enough. That's fair oh, enough. Absolutely. Okay. Um, okay. One more thing about my Sharona. Yeah. Uh, it regained attention uh, when George uh, W. Bush, former president, uh, um, they realized he had it playing on his iPod. When oh, really? he one of the songs on his iPod. So that's where it got some fame uh, later in the, uh, well, I don't know, when was he president? 2000, maybe I have it here, 2005. Oh, right. Yeah. There so there you we go. go. Presidential <laughs> seal of approval. <laughs> okay, uh, so Neil's um, 1979 was Pink Floyd, Another Brick in the Wall, part two. Um, he's got to get Pink Floyd in there somehow. Yeah. Even if it's a movie podcast, he's got to get a Pink get a Pink Floyd in there somehow. And uh, my 1979 was Video Killed the Radio Star by Buggles. Um, I mean, to be fair, it's about as 80s a song that you can get in the 70s. Uh, just It's one of those great, great tunes, and I'm not sure... It was only number one for one week, yeah. And it was the first ever item played on MTV. That's right. Um, I didn't realize I, that. I had a, an, a, a friend in high school at the time whose dad worked with MTV. Um, and so they had, he had mentioned to all of us that there was going to be this new thing on TV. Um, and so we all gathered to watch the premiere video on the, the first night um, at his house. And it was, you know, I think we all just were left there with our mouths just wide open. Like, what, what is this? Yeah. And then the number of videos that came after that. Um, oh, my God. I mean, I don't know if some of those songs would have been successful had it not been for the videos. From I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. It became something else for the for the acts to think about, wasn't it? It wasn't just about how the song sounded. It was how the song looked as well. Exactly. A lot like this podcast. A lot like this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. You're missing out if you're only listening to it. You should be right. going with the, the YouTube version where it's in full HD colour. We've got colour. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, sound coming into both ears. It's amazing. Wow. Just technology is just unbelievable. <laughs> on Zoom. <laughs> on Zoom, indeed, on Zoom. Um, well, that's it. We've done it. We've managed to do it. We've done the whole of the 70s. Um, yeah. we have got, we've got a couple of honourable mentions. I have um, some honourable mentions. Have you? Shall I do, do you want to do yours first or shall I do? No, you do yours first and we'll see if, we, if I cross over. Okay, so uh, at this one, Samantha on Twitter said Boney M, Rivers of Babylon, 10cc, Dreadlock Holiday, and Art Garfunkel with Bright Eyes. Have you ever heard that one? Oh. That's from the movie Watership Down, which is about yeah. rabbits. It's a, it's a cartoon, but it is one of the scariest... It's one of the scariest cartoons you will ever watch in your life. 
Watership Down, and it's, it's appropriate for this podcast. Absolutely, it fits in perfectly with this this particular episode. If I can find it on the video playlist, I'll find the whole movie and put it on the video playlist. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful song called Bright Eyes, but Art Garfunkel, uh, Jeff Flores said, uh, and I think he's just gone for like ten number ones from the seventies. He didn't do them uh, for per year, but Psycho Killer, Talking Heads, I Want You to Want Me, Cheap Trick. I Will Survive, Gloria Gaynor. National Every Girl Breakup Song, he puts in brackets. What's Going On, Marvin Gaye. Saturday Night Fever, The Bee Gees. London Calling, although he's put London Falling. I'm sure it means London Calling, The Clash. Bohemian Rhapsody Queen, American Woman. Guess who? Is that who was it by? Yeah. I was? Oh, right. Okay, I thought he was trying to get me to guess who (laughs) it was that did it. Free Bird, Leonard Skinner, and Hotel California, the Eagles, because they are way overplayed but still love the song. And uh, Anna Cochran, lovely Anna, says Dr. Hook and Sexy Eyes. So so go on then, uh, Lisa, give us your... All right. Uh, Okay, so this is from 1974, Having My Baby by Paul Anka. Okay. Uh, I literally was in labor, already had had the epidural, so I was feeling no pain. And singing that song as I was delivering my kid. <laughs> Meanwhile, my husband was going like this. <laughs> he was about to pass out. So they had to rush and get him a chair while I was having a baby. So um, that marriage didn't last. Okay. <laughs> uh, Rhinestone Cowboy by Glenn Campbell. Great That tune. is my go-to karaoke song. Great uh, after about six glasses of wine and two shots. Nice. Elton John and Kiki D. Oh, there you go. That that would be our karaoke no. song. Okay. Oh, all right. Let's do it. We'll I do did, a... They did a live of his final concert in uh, Dodger Stadium, um, yeah. and so I watched it. Which, first of all, cried the minute he, you know the minute it started. But when Kiki D came out to sing that song, I, I, I mean, I literally cried through the entire song. I yeah. just, just all this wave of emotions and memories and. It's just such a great song. Yeah, but I'm, yeah. half, I'm halfway through watching it. It's on Disney Plus, isn't it? So I'm, I'm yeah. halfway through watching it at the moment. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, it's fantastic. And then finally, Blondie's Heart of Glass. So Yay. She gets a shout out. So that was it. We did it. We did it. That's the seven is done and dusted. So we'll have you back for seven is movies, Lisa, unless you want to try something a little bit different next time. And so you don't get pigeonholed in the old seventies thing. We'll find something a bit more up to date for you next time. Um, But I'm okay with being pigeonholed, if you know what I mean. Oh God, here we go. Oh, Lordy, Lordy. Um, so what? Oh yeah, Neil normally has to say all the gubbins. So um, for all the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash top ten pods, email whatever it is. It's all in the show notes. Just watch it all there. Neil knows how to do this. I don't. Let him do that. He's he's much better at it. Get better, Neil. Um, Lisa, I want to say thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you for your support and. Um, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed doing this. I feel like um, the lawyers will be in touch on certain parts of the podcast, but you know, that's you know, there's nothing wrong with it being a little bit controversial. You know, 
No, no, nothing wrong with that. Apologies to any of your family members. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they might have been offended. And this was a blast. I love doing this, Bob. And I will say for anybody else that's contemplating this, this is my second time doing it. The first time I was nervous. This time it was a breeze. So um, I, uh, I would say this has been a joy. Excellent. Well, thank you so much again, Lisa. Um, have a wonderful Christmas. Have a happy new year. Um, Neil, if you're listening and watching, get better soon. Um, and, uh, you know, all of our love and all the Patreoners and all the listeners, all their love is with you as well. And uh, that's about it. So it just leaves me to say happy Christmas, happy holidays, and let's start the countdown. Ten, nine. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.